when you're deciding what to focus your time on, you're also deciding, you know, what small steps in the right direction you're going to take. As we sit here today and and as anybody's listening today, you have a million things that you could do right now. I mean, we have infinite opportunities. And so deciding what activities are the 20% that could lead to 80% of the outcome, those are the activities that you want to focus your time on and start to compound. You want to start making small improvements on those activities, not the 80% that aren't going to lead to much impact. This is the Booktook Lounge, brought to you by The Reader Lounge. My name is Emiliano, and I welcome you once more to the section of the show where I talk with people from the community about very valuable transformational reads. This is the sixth book that we talk about in the series, and my guest today is once more my friend Nick Hodgson, who you might know from Book Thinkers. The book that Nick and I talk about today is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. As you will listen, The Compound Effect is all about building momentum. In today's episode, Nick also dives deep into how to build positive momentum towards a more happy, wealthy, and healthy lifestyle, which is pretty cool. So now, make sure you get prepared to get immersed in this valuable conversation with Nick about The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Enjoy. So again, Nick, thanks for thanks for coming. And what's the, well, as people watching have already seen the book that will the second book that we will talk about today is a compound effect by Darren Hardy. And I would like to start the same way as we did with uh, the four hour work week. Um, could you share the story of how this book came into your life and what that experience was like? Sure. Well, thank you, Emiliano. And there's no place I'd rather be. I love talking on your podcast. Let's see. I always date the inside cover whenever I read a book. So it looks like I read this in December of 2017. So I was, let's see, about a year out of school, about a year into my reading journey. I had probably read 20 or 30 books. And I think that I continued to read about this thing, the compound effect. What did it mean? And how could you apply it to your life? And somebody probably recommended the book to me. And I actually, what's unique about this is I decided to read it with a couple of my friends. And so while I was going through the book, I had recently created a little accountability group of friends that wanted to better themselves. And I read this with a couple of them. And so we went through the chapters together and talked about our biggest takeaways. And this book is one of my top five favorite books because it's had such a big impact on the way that I think about the world. Could you talk about how like this experience was like, um, especially, you know, about the, let's, I, I will call it I will call it I will call it a book club. So, how was uh, the experience of reading in this book club uh, with uh, this friend of yours? Uh, how was that experience like? And well, yeah, know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I th I think sometimes as a young person that's interested in personal development books, it can be a little bit lonely. You know, I didn't grow up around people that were reading these books, and it was hard to find people that were willing to hear about all the takeaways that I was <laughs> experiencing and the things that I was implementing. So to find a couple of people who were my age, who had similar interests, and to be able to talk about what I was learning from these books was a great experience. And I would encourage anybody listening to try to do the same thing. Because as we've often heard, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And if you're choosing to elevate yourself, you should encourage the people around you to grow with you. And a book club is a great way to do that. Yeah, 
Well, now let's get into into the compound effect. So, if I'm reading correctly, the subtitle is "Jumpstart Your Income, Your Life, and Well, Your Success." Why does it uh, say that? How how does the compound effect work? Well, the author Darren Hardy was uh, the CEO of Success Magazine, so he was writing about all of these amazing income-related, success-related items. And uh, what he says is that when he analyzed all of these successful people, they all had one thing in common, which was the compound effect. And my definition of the compound effect sort of comes from the book is that small steps in the right direction over a long period of time will lead to a disproportionately positive outcome. And what that means is these little changes that you can make, these 1% changes, as they compound over time, magical things start to happen. And it's very true. An example of that is actually the book thinkers, Instagram. I implemented these little growth related strategies on a daily basis that over time started to compound together and these different variables interact, they grow together. And then all of a sudden it started to grow faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Now my effort on a daily basis wasn't changing. It was still the same input, but the output was much more valuable every single day. It continued to grow until what it is today. And um, there are so many great metaphors from the book that explain this. There's one in the beginning called the magic penny. And the idea of the magic penny is, would you rather have a million dollars today cash or a penny that doubles in value every day for 31 days? Well, initially people are like a million bucks. Why would I ever take a penny that doubles in value? (laughs) And it's funny because as the penny is doubling in value, after 10 days, the penny is only worth something like $5. After 20 days, it's only worth $5,000. But wait a second, after 31 days, it's worth over $10 million. And that's the power of compounding. Our brains don't really work in this exponential way, but the world works in an exponential way. Our brains work in a relative way where you know time passes second by second by second, hour by hour, day by day, no matter what we do. But that's not how the world actually works in terms of like money and success, social media platforms. They work in a more exponential way where all these variables compound together. And this book teaches you those recipes. It's really fascinating. Do you think that calling the book the exponential effect would mean the same as calling it the compound effect? I think it I think it probably could. I like the compound effect though because the compound effect makes me think of all these different variables interacting together. You know, like the example that I gave with social media, I was using this strategy called the dollar 80 strategy where I was reaching out to other people. And what's interesting is that on social platforms, birds of a feather flock together. The more followers you have, the, the, the higher the chances that the next follower is going to press follow when they view your profile. Like, would you rather follow somebody with a hundred followers or somebody with 10,000 followers? And so I'm doing the same strategy, getting in front of people on a daily basis. But as the audience grows, the next people are more likely to follow me. And once you're in my community, you're more likely to share it with other people. So it didn't grow in a linear way. It grew in an exponential way. And that's because of all these different factors compounding on top of each other. Hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I get anyway. that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I get that. Um, and yeah, calling it the exponential effect was just like a, a funny idea that came to mind because I, I think that it, I mean, if I think about the compound effect, as you describe it, like in a graph, 
it it works that way like with a like with with a like a I think about stick like, growth yeah yeah exactly Ex exactly like that I, i'm reading the the lean startup by eric reese and and i have you read it? i have yeah yeah in, in one part of the book he he shares this graphics in which they go exponentially and and yeah i, I was thinking about it that way um, but yeah that was just like a, a fun question that came to mind but now like uh, a more valuable thing that i would like like to point out and to ask you is like do you relate the compound effect and the the effort um through through the process with the 80 20 principle that we were talking about uh when we were recording the 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 episode for uh the, the four hour work week yeah i think so um i think when you're deciding what to focus your time on you're also deciding you know what small steps in the right direction you're going to take as we sit here today and, and as anybody's listening today, you have a million things that you could do right now. I mean, we have infinite opportunities. And so deciding what activities are the 20% that could lead to 80% of the outcome, those are the activities that you want to focus your time on and start to compound. You want to start making small improvements on those activities, not the 80% that aren't going to lead to much impact. And how do you personally prioritize these activities? And first of all, I, how, how do you identify them? That's a great question. I think it happens differently in my personal and professional life. In my personal life, I've read a number of books on core values. And so I think the items that fulfill me the most are the ones related to my core values. And so for anybody listening today, I would recommend reading books like Black Sheep by Brant Mensoir or Built to Serve by Evan Carmichael so that you can start to identify your core values. And what you want to do, I guess, both personally and professionally is try to find the activities that lead to where you want to be in life, depending on what your goals are, and that also overlap with your core values so that they'll be fulfilling internally and fulfilling externally. And so That's part of the decision-making process. And when I think about books like Principles by Ray Dalio, and he talks about determining your core principles in life, those are decision-making filters. When an opportunity presents itself, I try to stop and I ask, is this related to where I want to be in three months, in 12 months, in five years, in 10 years? And how does it balance with my core values in these principles? I use them as filtering mechanisms. If it's totally off base, I have to say goodbye to that opportunity. If it is within my core values, is it something that has those forms of leverage that we talked about during our episode in the four-hour work week with the Naval Ravikant book? Like, does it have opportunity to be scaled without money and without human resources? You know, so I try to think about all of those different things when I'm making decisions on what to implement. It's kind of a convoluted process and I should probably find a way to <laughs> articulate it a little bit faster and, and better. But yeah, those are some of the things that I think about. Yeah, I mean, maybe it could also be something valuable for the book that you are writing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and well, just a small pause here uh, that I want to mention for people listening. Uh, I uh, Well, there are there's an episode with Evan Carmichael, the author of Build to Serve, and with Brent Mansworth, the author of Black Sheep, on the, pod, on the podcast. And I also recorded one of these episodes with Ryan Mannion in which we talked about black sheep. So, I mean, yeah, they, they can check that out. And um, 
Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, about like uh, defining what does align with your path and with your vision and what does not. What about explorations? So how do you integrate exploration into that um, to maybe uh, discover or validate that your values are actually your values and that your principles are actually your principles? And, and I, I, I think that especially uh, that, that is especially relevant for people uh, my age, probably, or for young people, um, because I think that we should prioritize exploration more than just focusing on one path. But how do you approach it or how what's what are your thoughts on that well i've got a little bit of a cheat code because one of my five black sheep values is actually discovery <laughs> and discovery for me it's a combination of adventure it's a combination of exploration it's a combination of intentionally embracing discomfort and trying new things and so that those all fall within my core values and i'm also not I don't have a fixed mindset in any area of my life. I'm always willing to learn something new, something better. You know, oftentimes we talk about subjects like politics or religion or social issues that are off limits and that's okay. They don't need to be talked about on book thinkers or on your platforms, but in my personal life, I'm always willing to sit down and have a conversation with somebody that I don't personally agree with, or that doesn't align with my core principles because I might change my mind. Who knows? I don't have a fixed mindset. It's variable. It can be updated. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And that's why one of my core values is discovery. I'm always willing to learn. And reality is negotiable because yes, I mean, this, this, I relate to this statement with something that I many times hear and with something that I uh, sort of preach, uh, I guess, is uh, the idea of like reprogramming your mind. And uh, I, in there, I'm not talking only about like your programs or your ideas about wealth or about uh, building a business or anything. I'm even talking about uh, more, well, yeah, uh, bigger things uh, like maybe religion or yeah, beliefs or spirituality or, or those things. Um, and yeah, so reality is negotiable. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned something like uh, very important and that is like being open to, to learning new things and especially things that you don't necessarily agree with and i relate that with uh, critical thinking i i think that's also something like important to to develop and to focus on 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 developing <laughs> yeah no i agree completely i i think most people and, and this is not this is not a judgment necessarily against people but i think most people are just content uh going with the flow and they don't challenge their own thought process. You know, they don't think about why they learned to believe certain things or where that initial programming and nurturing came from. And so critical thinking is very important. I think if you can practice deep thought and critical thinking on a regular basis and think about your life from a third party perspective, which happens a lot for me during meditation, mm -hmm. then then yeah, you'll be a more well-rounded, less biased person. You'll be more willing to learn and to be coached. You'll see opportunities from a different lens. Like I try to take off my glasses and put on other people's glasses and try to see from their perspective as often as I can. And that's why when I read a good book, like an obvious comparison might be Rich Dad, Poor Dad versus The Total Money Makeover. I want to learn different perspectives on personal finance. 
And I want to learn why one person thinks debt is evil and why one person thinks debt is the best thing in the world. Hmm. And so to balance both perspectives and try to understand both of them at the same time, be willing to learn from both and take what is relevant at the time that I'm reading them. Like that's been a very big uh, skill that I've been able to develop. Yeah. And I mean, it even empowers you because if you're open to listen to these different uh, perspectives, you can then uh, take the best of them and build your own things. And that a place like for businesses and for uh, finances and all of this. Um, and well, I guess- Emiliano, let me say something real quick, which is that when I was your age, I didn't have any of this perspective. I was going with the flow. I was living the nine to five, Tim Ferriss, four hour work week, anti-lifestyle. I was conforming to everything. I didn't, I wasn't confident. Uh, I was full of ego and insecurities. Like when I was your age, you couldn't pay me to read one of these books. So it can ha- it can change over time too. You know, people that knew me when I was your age, they'd say, you know, that's not Nick. You know, and nowadays it's a very different person. So I'm a good example of, you know, you can go from a fixed to more of an open mindset. Yeah. And that's also what I wanted to to talk about. So exploring these different ideas and expanding your awareness, your perspective, your, your context about anything may lead you to then take different actions. And I, I think that maybe that way to create a new reality and that way to compound a new, a new vision, a new, a new journey. Do you think that that's true? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do. And I think an action that you can implement is seeking new information and trying to make progress. You know, my, my most important black sheet value or my who in the Evan Carmichael <laughs> formula is progress. I'm always looking to make progress in every area of my life, my health, my wealth, my happiness, my communication with loved ones. I'm always looking to make progress and that's what fulfills me and progress compounds. There's a great example in the compound effect where there's a plane flying from LA to New York city. And in the U S that's about 3000 miles. I have no idea what that is in kilometers, (laughs) but uh, he says, if the nose of the plane was off by just 1% when it takes off as that 1% compounds, you end up about 150 miles off course from your destination. Well, what if that could be a positive thing? What if every day you were just trying to shift your mindset to be a little bit more open than it was the day before? As that compounds over a year of constantly searching for new things, you're going to be a different person. We can all change. Like you were saying before, you can reprogram and uh, our brains are malleable. So they can be updated and new programs can be installed. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and about the the plane analogy i once heard tony robbins talk about it and you know this is sort of off topic maybe but what he was saying is that like planes most times or like 90 percent of the time flying are going in the wrong direction but that each time like the whether it's the the technology or the pilot or whatever uh the plane is uh like turned into the right direction and that happens like every time that a plane flies, uh, that a plane flies. And that happens uh, 90% of the time that the, the plane is flying. So 90% of the time, uh, the plane is going in the wrong direction, but it just uh, iterates into the right direction. And, that, and like connecting that analogy to personal and professional lives and whatever, 
I think that we and that that has been happening to me and that has been happening to me recently a lot and I have felt like I have that like I have been going in the wrong direction in some areas of my life sometimes like uh, some months ago we were talking about uh, my social life specifically um, yeah so with those things many times I, I do think about like me going in the wrong direction but then we with this uh, new ideas that we explore um, and with new experiences we start to to uh, set off in the right journey and into the right destination and I feel like that's what has been happening to me and I, I don't know if like uh, Darren mentions something like that in the compound effect well he talks a lot about momentum and momentum is always working whether it's working in the right direction or the wrong direction. He calls it big mo momentum. <laughs> and so, yeah, if, if you're not careful, if you're complacent, momentum starts to work in the wrong direction and you get slapped in the face one day and you realize that you're flying in the wrong direction and you need to course correct. And sometimes that takes a lot of effort. He also talks about the fact that when you build momentum in one direction and it stops, you can't just pick it up and continue. You got to start over which is why it's important to focus on these things like progress and exploration on a regular basis, because you don't want to lose the momentum. It's hard to pick up the pieces. And uh, it's not to say that it's impossible, obviously. I mean, I'm, I often find myself focusing on the wrong things. Even when I look at last year, as an example, I focused way too much on thinking big, 10Xing everything <laughs> and not securing the foundation uh, to build from. And so even last year with me reading all of these books, you know, I find big areas of my life that I was working in the wrong direction for. You take off the blinders, you have some new perspective through exploration and you get to fix it just like you did. You know, it's, it's momentum is something interesting. And again, the first time that I heard about it was thanks to Tony Robbins. And that's something very important to highlight that like there's negative momentum and positive momentum or um, you know, as Neri Jal would say, like uh, things that uh, lead you towards where you want to go, so traction, and things that uh, lead you to the other side, so distraction. And distraction could also be compounded, I guess. And yeah, I, I everything think that's can be compounded. Yeah. So a, a good example of this is uh, like your fitness, right? If you work out every day, you're compounding positive actions. You're going to lose a little bit of weight. You're going to increase your strength. You're going to increase your stamina. You're going to feel better. You're going to carry yourself differently. But if you stop working out and you start eating poorly, well, that compounds in the wrong direction too. You're going to lose stamina. You're going to lose strength. You're going to gain body fat. You're going to have less energy. And those are two very different people. The person that compounds fitness and the person that compounds an unhealthy diet and no fitness, they end up on very different ends of the spectrum. So you can definitely compound things in a negative way. And you've got to be careful because that can spiral and spiral and spiral. And eventually you end up 25, 50 pounds overweight and unhappy in a bad relationship. And you don't want that to happen. So that's why going back to what you were saying before, like you got to be cognizant of the momentum in each area of your life. By spiral, like, do you mean uh, a state with uh, a lot of momentum or a very compounded state? Yeah. So in the same way that the hockey stick happens, mm -hmm. the hockey stick can happen in a negative way as well. 
So if every day you're eating in an unhealthy way, uh, the chances that you're going to flip that and, and start eating healthier, get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. They, you know, the chances that you're going to be able to get out of that state, get lower and lower and lower and lower. And, uh, that's a dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. And that also relates to, to building habits. Um, are, are you going to talk about like this, any of this topics in your book, specifically about like the, the habit and the hockey stick part? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've read so many books on how to implement effective habits and so many books on how to get rid of bad habits. And I'm going to talk about, I'm actually going to talk about 105 things that I've implemented from books, 35 healthy habits, 35 wealthy habits, and 35 happiness related habits, and how each of them are used on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis to compound me into a happier, healthier and wealthier person. And so I'll definitely be talking about those subjects. Nice. Did, well, yeah. Where did the inspiration to pick like health, wealth and happiness come from? Did it sort of come from the, from Naval's book? <laughs> I think it actually came from tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. You know, Tim and Naval are best friends. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Tim in that quote in Naval's book that says, You know, most people value wealth, health, and happiness in that order, but their importance is actually in reverse. You want to focus on your happiness, then your health, then your wealth. Um, I think that's very important. And so those three categories have been talked about in a couple different ways. I think Tim calls it healthy, wealthy, and wise. Naval calls it healthy, wealthy, and happy. But uh, yeah, they're, they're three great categories and you can almost tuck any area of personal development into one of those buckets. Yes. And well, now getting back into, into the compound effect to sort of start wrapping up this, this episode, could you, you know, again, as we did with uh, the four hour work week, could you share like what your biggest implementation was? And could you just review the book in, in a couple words, in a couple of sentences? Sure. So my, my biggest the biggest thing that I've implemented is just the philosophy that small changes can lead to dramatic results, kind of like the atomic habits thing, right? Mm -hmm. Small changes, remarkable results or whatever it is. And, you know, they've got that metaphor. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> And how do you change your life? One tiny little 1% improvement at a time. That's all it is. And what that's done for me in any situation is it takes it from an intimidating change to an you know, unintimidating change. Anything can be accomplished. Just start working at the smallest things. 1% changes. That's all that I'm trying to do. I don't say, oh, I want to change the world. I say, I just want to change my behavior today. And so adopting that in reading, in my relationships, in my wealth portfolio, in the happiness habits that I have, in my health, that's all it is. Small, manageable 1% changes compounded over years and patience. And uh, in summary, yeah, I would just say this book teaches you small steps in the right direction over a long period of time will lead to disproportionately positive outcomes. It's the most beautiful thing that I've learned and I love the book for it. Great. Well, thank you for sharing it. And just one more thing before wrapping up, you mentioned happiness habits. Could you talk about them and, you know, just share what, what some of those are? Because that sounds interesting. 
Yeah, it does. Maybe it'll be its own book one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, happiness habits are, are to me really anything that you implement on a daily or weekly basis that improves your overall sense of well-being, your excitement, your level of energy every single day. And so a couple examples, um, one very obvious one is meditation. Meditation is something that is talked about by a lot of these people on social media. And I think it's poorly implemented. People have a really tough time implementing meditation. And so the biggest expected outcome for me is more time between an input into my brain and an output out of my mouth. Meditation has allowed me to become more emotionally intelligent. And as a result, I get myself into less sticky situations. When something bad happens in the external world, I'm able to think about it, internalize it, amor fati, the love of one's fate, apply a love to it, see what the expected outcome is going to be depending on how I respond. And then I respond. And that's led to a much happier better lifestyle. I just mentioned Amor Fati, which uh, was originally a Nietzsche quote, but it's talked about a lot by Ryan Holiday in the Stoic philosophy mm -hmm. books. That love of one's fate teaches us that the world isn't inherently good or bad. It just is what it is. And that sounds a little funny at first, but when you start filtering your thought process through that lens, you go, you know what, that tornado, I had no control over that. That's outside of my sphere of control. It's not inherently good or bad. It is what it is. It's my reaction that I have control over. I have to love that tornado. And <laughs> that sort of decreases the likelihood that you're going to sit in a negative headspace. And it increases the likelihood that you're going to sit in a positive headspace. I'll give a third example, which is gratitude. I love the line that it's not happy people that are grateful, but it's grateful people that are happy. By intentionally focusing on gratitude every single day, you're going to start to rewrite that neural pathway. The input defaults to gratitude. So if somebody cuts you off in traffic, instead of beeping at them and going, get out of the way, you default to, wow, you know what? I'm so fortunate to be able to drive to work to every day. A lot of people don't have the luxury to own a car. You know, you default to that state of gratitude. You're less likely to spend time in the negative headspace. You're more likely to default to a happy, positive experience. And if you can do things like write in a gratitude journal or like me on my other wrist, tattoo the numbers one, two, three, and focus on three things I'm, you know, I'm grateful for every single day, you're going to be a happier person overall. And so I've got 35 of those that I'm going to talk about in the book. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for, for sharing it. And so it's from, from what I hear, it's like about developing habits and routines and activities that will Uh, help you be more happy or not so reactive when uh, shitty stuff comes into your life. Yeah. And, and that was the theme of the three that I just said. I think there are some other things in the book as well that are a little bit outside of that category, but I'll mm -hmm. wait for them. I'll, I'll hide them until then. Okay, great. And well, yeah, again, thank you for, thank you for coming today. Thank you for sharing this book with us. And yeah, you know, do you want to share anything else? Maybe also where people can find you or anything? In general, yeah, just just check out Book Thinkers. We also have our own podcast where we interview a lot of these authors, and you can check out some of those episodes, especially the ones that Emiliano has edited for us. And, <laughs> um, he's been a great friend of the page, and yeah, I'm uh, super responsive. So if you ever have any questions for me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Book Thinkers. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days to respond because we get a lot of messages, but I will always respond and answer your questions. 
Great. So, well, again, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing these books with us. And yeah, we can do this again in, in the future if you have another book that you're excited about sharing. Absolutely. Hello again. This is your host, Emiliano, coming to wrap up the episode. I hope that today's conversation was enjoyable and valuable to you. If it was, please consider sharing it to a friend and subscribing to the show. Remember that you can keep receiving value from the Reader Lounge by following on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find the links to those platforms in the description of the episode. That has been it for today. I wish you a happy and prosperous day ahead or a fulfilling and peaceful afternoon. My name is Emiliano. This was the Book Talk Lounge brought to you by the Reader Lounge. I'll speak to you in the next episode. Peace.